Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, each episode just keeps to, keeps getting better uh, as weeks pass, and uh, we are in some unique times right now, as you all know, and I trust you are well, your families are well, uh, your doing your best to focus on what's in your control and doing your best to stay positive and healthy and build your immune system during this time. And I really hope you're all using this time to complete projects that perhaps you haven't completed to really reflect on the, the sort of next expression of your purpose and, and really what you want your life to be for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And I hope you're using this time to connect with nature, connect with yourself, connect with loved ones. And even though events are canceled and we can't go out in the same way we typically used to, uh, I believe that you can't cancel loving and connection and caring and consideration. And so folks, let's do the best we can with what we have during these times to make sure we develop our skills uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that we can come out even stronger uh, through this experience together. So my guest today, I'm a firm believer, will be helping us uh, evolve and grow and develop our skills uh, on many different levels. Uh, she's someone who I've had the pleasure and the privilege of uh, meeting through an organization that I'm a part of called the Transformational Leadership Council. She's the founder CEO of the Intrigue Agency. She's presented to folks more than half a million people worldwide, clients ranging from National Geographic, NASA, Cisco, uh, Boeing, YPO, Four Seasons Resorts, I mean, just a few small companies. She's a, I mean, in my experience, I, I, she may not say it herself, but I'll say I think she's a, a true master in communication and presentation and getting ideas across. Every time, I just have to say, every time I am blessed to see her, spend time with her, whether it's at a lunch that we have uh, as a part of the Transformational Leadership Council, even if it's for five minutes, she always, there's something amazing about, about her is that she always, and I mean underscore, always adds value to you know, not just my life, but I see her do this. And I think this is what makes her so special. I see her do this with literally, like, I've actually never seen her not be a blessing and add tremendous value to the lives of everyone she is in, you know, orbit with everyone who is around her. And she's such a blessing. Uh, she's going to teach us how to clearly, concisely, powerfully uh, and, and share some really inspirational with us today. And so Sam Horn, welcome to the conversation. Sam, thanks for coming on Soul Talk. You're welcome, Coot. I've really been looking forward to sharing some ideas with your listeners and to being in conversation with you. Absolutely. You know, I'm always curious about people's origins and how they got to be able to do what they're doing today. And you know, as the founder, CEO of Intrigue Agency and speaker, author, communicator, I would love to just, you know, I actually don't, I don't think I actually asked you myself when we spent time together, but especially for those also listening, I would love to uh, just know about how did you get to be doing what you're doing now? What, what was the path to that? Because it's not like there's a, uh, and there's necessarily a, a career track to saying, okay, you're going to be an author or be a speaker or help people with communication. I think that's, that's something that's quite unique. I know you, you teach people leadership and writing and brand building and many different things. So how did that, 
tell me a bit about your journey. I mean, how, how did you get to be doing what you're doing now in the way that you're doing now? Was it something you felt you, I mean, how did that, how did that start? You know, Kud, it started in Washington, D.C. I was working with an organization called Open University, and we had about 300 mm-hmm. different classes and everything from how to tap shoe dance to how to build your own house. And my job was to comb the Washington Post and to keep my antenna up for what might make an interesting course. And one day, I saw the word concentration six times on the front page of the sports section. And I thought, wait a minute, we all wish we could concentrate better. No one ever teaches us how to do it. And instead of farming that one out, I decided to research it myself. So I started interviewing people. You know, what what do you feel concentration is? How do you do it well? What do you do when you lose your concentration? Did anyone ever teach you how to concentrate? I put everything I learned into a course. 16 people came up to me at the end of it. And they said, please come speak at our convention or train Hmm. our employees how to do this. That started my speaking career. Mm, Got it. Got it. And so in terms of your speaking career, I know you're a master of communication. You teach people communication. I would love to, from your experience, understand what can you share with us is the essence of being an effective or masterful communicator, the essence of that, and uh, what are the most important things people need to know to be able to most effectively communicate and get their ideas across in a compelling way? You know, I, if I only had one thing to say, it would be to understand that something Nancy F. Cohen from Harvard said is true, that goldfish have longer attention spans than we do. I'm not making that up, that's her research, Nine seconds goldfish, eight seconds human beings. So when I talk about communication, how can we distill what it is we want to say so clearly and concisely that instead of being infobesity, wah, 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 it is so crisp, so clear that people want to continue the conversation. Mm, Got it. And so are there any specific things that... uh, to know the effective communicators. People think, be taught, it's what you say, but then there's, there's other schools of thought that say, well, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, it's your physiology, it's, it's the tonality, it's the energy, telling stories. It's, and so in all of your research and experience and delivering so many talks to you know, half a million people, you know, all these half a million people, like, there's still for us, let's say, the three to maybe five most important ideas that we need to know. If, if someone listening in wants to look, because I think communication is important for anyone, whether they're a speaker, uh, whether they're a coach, whether they're a parent, whether they're a CEO or a leader, I think we all, we all as human beings have to communicate and share our ideas. And, you know, so break it down for us. Okay, here we go. And Coot, I hope that people grab paper and pen because we're not going to waste time on ivory tower theories that have no relevance in people's world. I mm. want you to think of a situation you've got coming up. Uh, mm. You know, maybe you're going to be asking to be put in charge of a project. Maybe you're going, you love telecommuting and you're going to ask to continue to work from home when the coronavirus is all over. Or mm. maybe you're, you have a startup and you want funding. So I'm going to share three ideas that I guarantee you can help you turn a no into a yes and get people's eyebrows up. So ready? Let's go. And you have paper right in front of you, Coot, because we can brainstorm something you've got coming up too, whether it's a TEDx talk or, you know, you speak all around the world. Maybe you're going to give a a virtual keynote for one of your clients because you can't be there in person. So let's do this in real time and make our time together as valuable as possible. Sound good? Let's go for it. Okay, on a fresh piece of paper, put a vertical line down the center, and on the top of the left-hand column, put infobesity, and on top of the right-hand column, put intrigue. So I'm going to share three best practices that have helped my clients win millions in funding, uh, give talks at South by Southwest, Ted Med, UN, Davos, etc. So number one, on the left, put the word tell. I mean, we've been taught to tell Mm. them what we're going to tell them and tell them and then tell them what we told them, right? Mm. I 
tell you, that's infobesity. It's a prescription for being a bore, snore, or chore. So let's move over to the right, and I'm going to give you the example first, and then I'll give you the actual technique. So um, you may know I'm the pitch coach for Springboard Enterprises, hmm. and we have helped entrepreneurs get $10 billion in funding. This wow. Robin Chase of Zipcar, Gail Goodman of Constant Contact. So one of my springboard clients came to me and she said, Sam, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I said, well, what's the good news? And she said, I've been asked to speak in front of a room full of investors at the Paley Center in New York. I said, fantastic news. What's the bad news? She said, I'm going at 2.30 in the afternoon and I only have 10 minutes. Wow. I said, Sam, you can't say anything in 10 minutes. You know, how can I talk about our business model or our financial projections or our team credentials. And, and I said, Kathleen, you don't have 10 minutes. You have 60 seconds. You know, mm. they will have heard 16 presentations. So could you want to hear the 60 second opening that helped her win millions in funding? Uh, all this. Okay. Did you know there are 1.8 billion vaccinations given every year? Did you know up to a third of those are given with reused needles? Uh-oh. You know we're spreading and perpetuating the very diseases we're trying to prevent. Imagine if there were a painless, one-use needle for a fraction of the current cost. You don't have to imagine it. We've created it, and she's off and running. Are your eyebrows up, Coot? <laughs> I, 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 literally, I might... I'm, I'm writing as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so you, now let's put you this. Definitely ha you definitely have my intrigue because I didn't <laughs> know what you just said. So now you have my attention for sure. Yeah. Well, let's put this in perspective. This is Kathleen Callender of PharmaJet. Now, before we worked together, if you asked what's PharmaJet, or she would start a presentation by telling people what it was. And mm. she would say, PharmaJet is a medical delivery device for subcutaneous inoculation. A what? It's a what? It's a what, exactly. It's complicated and confusing, and confused people don't say yes. Yeah. So here are the three steps. You can use this for your presentation, Coot. Your people who are listening to us right now can use it for almost any communication, in writing, even a blog. All right. First, what are three did-you-knows that you can introduce that address the problem that you're solving, the issue that you're addressing, or the need that you're meeting. What are startling statistics? What is recent research? And if you're thinking, well, where do I find these startling statistics? You Google that stuff. Mm -hmm. If we had time, Coot, I don't care who is listening. If they just put into search, what are surprising statistics about blank? whether you're writing a book on leadership, whether you're giving a talk on the coronavirus, whether you're giving a Facebook Live about stress management or parenting in times of a pandemic, whatever it is, your topic, up will come things even you didn't know. And if you don't know them, probably your listeners won't know them. And it is the quickest way to get smart people's attention is to introduce something they don't know. Mm. And you know what's also magical about this? We just turned a monologue into a dialogue. Gotcha. Instead of telling people, we ask questions that engage them and have them at hello. Now, wow. the second step, use the word imagine. Uh, the word imagine pulls people out of their preoccupation. Because, see, they're no longer looking at their digital device. They're picturing your point. They're wow. seeing what you're saying. Now, link it to three aspects, the attributes of what you're proposing or asking. Now, go back to Kathleen Callender. What were her decision makers thinking about? Well, they were thinking about painful inoculations, so we made it painless. They're thinking about reuse needles, so we made it one use. Almost all decision makers care about money, so we said it's a fraction of the current cost. Do you see how in a world of infobesity, we distilled into one succinct sentence, oh, who wouldn't want that scenario? And, 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 and that, in the beginning, right? That's like the first 
you said 30 to 60 seconds. That's just straight out of the gate. So we're not, oh. we're not telling people, oh, this is me, blah, 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 blah. This is my, it's just like, did you know? And that's a startling statistic that your audience is not going to know. Let me repeat, make sure I'm getting this. Um, that addresses the issue, the need or problem that your audience is facing using startling statistics. That's just like straight to the heart of things. Yes. Got you it. know, see, you just got it because Richard Branson said time is the new money. I think time is the new trust. People are busy and the clock starts ticking the second we start talking. And if we don't hit the ground running and quickly prove that we're worth their valuable time and mind, they're gone. So, by the way, it's did you know, blank, 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 imagine, blank, imagine. blank, blank. And then do you know what the third step is? What's These the words. Step? Exactly. Well, you don't have to imagine it. We're doing it. And now you come in with your precedence or your evidence, with your benchmark, with an article or a testimonial that shows that, what you're saying is not pie in the sky or speculative. It's a done deal and you're ready to deliver it all under 60 seconds. Everyone else as you just <laughs> said to is still telling them their credentials and boom, you, you, you have them at hello. So uh, I don't know what that, whatever is that is being sold right now, I have already bought it. I mean, I've, I've, I'm signing up for whatever. You're not even selling anything and I'm already signing up for it. So <laughs> let me ask you a question because I think, and I, and I want you to continue to the next point, but in terms of, okay, you start off a presentation. Did you know, obviously I got someone's attention, but what about rapport? You know, you, you hear about you got to build rapport with your audience and show that you care and make the connection and the human touch. And, but doesn't it sound like if I, if I just come out the gate with, did you know, did you know, did you know, did you know, imagine that there's no human connection with the audience or the people or the, the people in the meeting that I'm speaking to? Can you address that? Hey, could, we should go on the road together because guess what our second point is? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a, and by the way, to answer that, what I have found is that people are so busy is that, is that mm. they, are, they really give it 60 seconds. It's like either you show me that this is going to be worth my time and attention or I'm out of here, which is why whatever it is we're speaking on, it is relevant to them. You know, if, if we're speaking to investors, they want to make money. And we just showed them in 60 seconds that the, whatever need it is we're meeting, that there is a, a need for this, that there's money to be made here, that there are, um, you know, there's, they're going to get a competitive edge by jumping on this first or something. If we're talking about, you know, you talk so much about being living a quality life where we're making a difference and we're stepping up and, and being the quality of person setting the example that others choose to follow. So mm -hmm. we can start off by, if we're talking in a business sense with a statistic that 67% of people who leave their job mm -hmm. is because they're not seen or heard. And you mm -hmm. see people are thinking, Sounds familiar. <laughs> so we have made that connection by making sure these statistics are relevant to whatever it is we're speaking on that day. I, I think you just, just before you continue, I think you made an important point. We have made the connection by making sure that what we're speaking about is relevant to the audience you're serving. And I think that's a key. That's, that's really important. Yeah. You might want to write down this quote. I used to uh, host salons at the National Press Club in New York and uh, in Washington, D.C. And one time we were sharing our favorite quotes and journalist Eleanor Cliff stood up and she said, my favorite quote is, we're all in a race to be relevant. I said, mm. Eleanor, that's a fantastic quote. Who said that? She said, I said that. <laughs> so relevant is the key word and when we hit the ground running and say something startlingly new and relevant to whoever's listening to us we have just earned the right to keep on speaking we have uh, I just i'm going to just digest that we have earned the right so it's not like we have a right right we, we we're actually earning the right i'm i'm kind of you know having 
some some sort of reflection that a speaker now it's like speaking is not just a right to actually earn the trust earn the right to have the communication that's an interesting uh, frame to take on uh, it's, it's it's beautiful actually um, Kud, I, I so agree with you it's I wrote a, a LinkedIn post about why we never start a presentation with a bio is because to some degree mm -hmm. I think it's arrogant and narcissistic it's here's Here's me. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. Here are my credentials. They probably either heard it in the intro, they can see it in the program, and it is presumptuous because we are assuming that the most important thing on their mind yes. <laughs> is where we've been and what we've done. Mm. That's maybe not the good use of their time. The good use of their time is to figure out what they care about, what their priority is, what's of value to them, mm. introducing introduce something that makes them smarter than they were 60 seconds ago and mm. now they're thinking oh this is so rare and so welcome keep talking mm. you were going to say something or, or maybe maybe not but you were going to say something about rapport and i, I, yeah. I think you I, I speak to that now I, i'd love All to right. hear this, this is this is step number two so if we're on our notes we have infobesity on the left and intrigue on the right Yes. We have tell on the left and ask on the right. That's the first switch, the first shift where we're moving from infobesity to intrigue. Now, the second one on the left, please put explain. Because most of us explain our idea, we explain our product, we explain our company. Hmm. That's infobesity. <laughs> so over on the right, we're going to use a dog on a tanker example. So this is a two-minute story that that gives an example of what the dog on a tanker example is and why it works so well you ready let's go okay so wait wait before you go there sam so you're saying that, that it's explain on the left and then on the right is example that is correct because okay. that is where we create rapport got we you create rapport with real life examples not by explaining our ideas or our issues or our products or our companies got it okay now, this is based on an article I read in the Washington Post years ago by Shankar Vedantam. And he wrote about an oil tanker that had caught fire 800 miles off the coast of Hawaii. Now, a cruise ship happened to be going by and was able to rescue the 11 people on board. And the captain gave a press conference and he talked about how grateful they were to be rescued. All he can think about is his dog that got left behind abandoned on that tanker. Well, that press conference went viral and donations started coming in from around the world, $500, $5,000. The U.S. Navy actually changed the exercise area of the Pacific Fleet to search 50,000 square miles of open ocean. They found the tanker. They sent a C-130 to fly low to see if there's any signs of life. There's this brown and white blur racing up and down the deck of the tanker. <laughs> they mount a quarter of a million dollar rescue mission to get that dog, and they are able to safely bring hot get back to Hawaii. But now what's the point? <laughs> Here's the point. Why did people from around the world mobilize to save one dog? when there are thousands of people in their own cities and states and countries going without food, water, and shelter. Yes. It's because of something called the empathy telescope. Huh. And the empathy telescope says we can put ourselves in the shoes of one person. We cannot put ourselves in the shoes of thousands. We can put ourselves in the shoes of an individual. We cannot put ourselves in the shoes of an idea or an issue or an organization. So see, the question is, what is an example of one person yes. who has had a problem and is better off because they've you know, used our services or acted on our idea or bought our product? You know, what is one person who was challenged by this and was able to turn it around because they put into practice something they learned from us. So, Coot, I get to ask, what's an example of one of your dog in a tanker stories? Got it. So, so basically, I, let's say I am giving a presentation 
I could reference a specific one, not like a group of clients or a concept, but a, one specific client who I've taken through a transformation. They came to me, they were maybe feeling disconnected or, you know, out of touch with their purpose and feeling dissatisfied and depressed. And, and I could share maybe a bit about the, let's say the transformational process I took them through and, and, and what they felt through that, the shifts that occurred for them through that and how, and, and then would I share, let's say, how their life transformed as a result. Oh, Coot, you're so quick. <laughs> because, see, you can hear the difference, and everyone listening can hear. If we mm -hmm. say, I've had the chance to work with 50,000 people yeah. in 12 countries around the world and organizations mm -hmm. like that, and, you know, I've been able to help them, it's like, it's also far away. It's mm -hmm. also distant. I can't see it. I can't. But when you talk about one woman who is in her 30s and she's a single mom and she's working two jobs and she looks at herself in the mirror and she doesn't know what happened to her life and and she had a chance to go through your program and she you know and and you put us in the scene and you recreate the dialogue mm. and you talk and and repeat what she said and the the um you know the the disbelief she mm. had in the beginning mm. that this could possibly work for her a single mother with two kids working two jobs and and, you know, her first little success, and then it's this kind of little hero journey, three-act play, right. starts with the, the problem, starts with your advice and how she enacted it, but there's got to be a dark night of the soul, Coot. Mm. can't be all puppy dogs and rainbows and unicorns, right? Mm, got it. You know what you're, what you're speaking to that I think I've intuitively known, but, but I think what you're doing, which is for me really interesting, and... Um, you know, we've had conversations, but, but as I'm hearing you and, and asking some of these questions in, in this specific, you could say, context today, what you're just telling me, it, it's like, it, I, I'll say it this way, but just bear with me. It, it's like selling without selling. And, and, and rather than like selling at someone by sharing the real life example that included in that has all of the the fears, concerns, need, the acknowledgement of need, problem, fears, concerns, challenges, objections that go on inside of that particular one client. And as you're talking about the journey, the dark night of the soul, the transformation, um, even though I'm not directly explaining my product or selling, you know, my audience, I can only imagine, and, and maybe you can speak to this, that through that journey of, you could say the movie, they are being um, sold. They are being enrolled. Would, would that be accurate? Here's the good news, Coot, is that this is in integrity. You are right. We are not selling. We are giving true, real-life yes. examples yes. of people who have benefited from our work. We are not making this up. We are not even trying to convince or persuade people, which has some ulterior agenda. And people are very aware these days of bait and switch. Mm. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when I, when, when you just give an example of, of someone who has somehow benefited because of your work, your work speaks for itself. <laughs> I love that. I love that. The empathy telescope. I love it. Love so, see, so you talked about rapport and why I love leading, you know, when I speak. Every time I lead with an example, because I could have just talked about the did you know technique. However, when we show with the real life Kathleen calendar, now you see for yourself how it works in the real world. You yeah. believe the efficacy of it because you have, you know, a real life example that shows a challenging situation and how she turned it around. You know, the same with the dog on a tanker story. It's that I could give you a hundred different examples of people who were running a nonprofit and who stopped putting up their PowerPoint slide and talking about their 501C and how, you know, here's the different programs we do and here's the different services. Mm -hmm. All goes in one ear and out the other. No, tell the story of one person who mm -hmm. had a challenging circumstances and has benefited from your 501C. That will be mm -hmm. far more intriguing than it will just given that information. I understand what you mean by rapport now, because telling that story is what really connects to the person listening. Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful. What's number three? 
Okay, here we go. So over on the left, put no, and over on the right, put yes. So would you like to learn how to turn a no into a yes? It was one of my questions. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so now I better practice what I teach, and let's start with an example, right? So I'll share the real-life example that shows how this works, and then we'll reverse engineer the actual steps of the process so that you can replicate it. Okay. So I had a client who was going to pitch the CTO of the London Olympics. And I said, Mike, how much time do you have? And he said, I have an hour. Well, you can mm -hmm. see this one coming because I said, mm -hmm. you do not have an hour. I said, put yourself in the mind of your decision maker and say out loud what he's thinking. Hmm. So Mike thought about it for a moment. He said, huh, he's probably thinking, I don't have time for this. We're 212 days out from the London Olympics. Mm. Step number one, say what they're thinking. Voice it first. Because mm. if we don't voice their objection, they're not going to be listening to us. They're going to be waiting for us to stop talking so they can tell us why this won't work. Mm. So the first thing is you're probably thinking or you may be thinking, we, we never say, I know you're thinking, because that's presumptuous, right? Mm, mm. I can only imagine you might be thinking that I'm 212 days out from the London Olympics. I don't have time for this. Mm. Step number two is to be sure to use the word and, because uh, I wrote a book 25 years ago on Tung Fu, and it talked about how there is one three-letter word that does so much damage in communication because it actually creates conflict. You know what the word is? Hmm. But. But, yes. I know it's important to you, but. I know you're busy, but. I know mm -hmm. I was only supposed to take 10 minutes, but. Do you hear how the word but actually sets us up as adversaries, right, wrong, or cancels out, you know, yeah, yes. I agree to that, but. You did a good job on that, but. So be sure and bridge with the word and. And now step number three, ask for and take less time than they anticipated. So hmm. what Mike said is, I can only imagine you're thinking we're 212 days out from the London Olympics. We don't have time for this. And that's why I have distilled my pitch into 10 minutes. And if at the end of that time you have questions, you want to go deeper into it, I welcome it. If you have higher priorities, you'll have my information you're welcome to get back in touch with me at your convenience. Now, the first thing Mike said was, Sam, you know, I can't distill this in 10 minutes. He <laughs> said, Mike, if you don't, he's not going to be listening to you anyway. Anyway, yes. Plus, he's going to be resenting you from taking him, him away from those other priorities. Mm. Plus, Coop, you deal with a lot of C-suite people. And mm. if we always take less time than they anticipated, they will always take our calls. They will always take our meetings because we have proved to them that they can always trust that we're going to hit the ground running and be a good use of their time and mind. Got it. And so this third key, the no yes principle, um, it, when, when is this, uh, when do we use this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to track the, 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 did you know the imagine, is this used in the beginning as well? Or is this used after? Or is this used, or does it just depend I love this, Coot. This is like a banquet of ideas. I'm not saying gotcha. you always have to start with did you knows. Who knows? You may choose to start with your dog on a tanker story, especially right, right. if you've been speaking at a conference and everyone else has been, you know, all the statistics and facts and so mm -hmm. forth. They may be a little tired of that. So you pleasantly surprise them by jumping in with your dog on a tanker story. Mm. Or if you know you're meeting very resistant people, they've got their mental arms crossed, is prove it to me, prove it to me, prove it to me, then you may make an executive decision and choose to say, you know, you may be thinking, we don't have any money in our budget for this. You're right. And that's why I've identified exactly where we're going to find this money and make back this amount of money in the first three months. Or you may be thinking, we tried this before and it didn't work. You're right. And that's why I've identified exactly what went wrong last time and how we put systems in place to prevent that from happening this time. So do you see how each technique, you get to customize and tailor for the situation in the audience, whichever one is going to work best. 
I love it. So they're like tools in my arsenal. But what, what I really like about what you're saying about the third one is, is you're not, it, it, it's like if you're dealing with resistant people, you, rather than sort of avoiding it, it's almost like you're, you're speaking right to it, acknowledging it, going right to it. And, and I actually see that as like really honoring and respecting who you're speaking to by speaking to what they're saying and voicing it and, uh, and offering a, a solution. And so uh, that's really, really, really powerful. Really, you know, really good. I, I love talking with you because, you know, you're a master at this. And so I just, I hear your wheels turning and you, turning. Are, you know, and now think about, we are going to go in and ask, ask our boss to telecommute because this time off in the coronavirus is like, we kind of got used to it. It's kind of nice. And mm -hmm. we know the answer is going to be no. They've already made up their mind. You know, this is a very conservative person, very, you know, very traditional, etc. So do you see, if we just walk in and try and make a yes. case for this, they're yes. not even listening. They're just kind of waiting for us to come to, them mm -hmm. to the end so they can tell us no, right? Mm -hmm. If we say, if we do our homework and say, I can only imagine, you know, how stressful it's been the last few months trying to adapt our systems and so forth, you know, and uh, that a number of people are asking to telecommute. And I can imagine how challenging it is trying to figure out how to make that work. And that's mm. why I've done some research. And I've identified three companies similar to ours who have already put in systems. They are already showing savings. They have already decreased turnover. They have already increased loyalty and, uh, you know, uh, 10 out of 10s in terms of employee satisfaction. You see how go right at that elephant in the room. <laughs> oh, what are you laughing about, too? Because uh, I'm thinking, oh, take this as a compliment. I'm like, I'm thinking, my, the thought in my brain, Sam, is this woman is a ninja. I mean, you're just like, <laughs> it's like you're just going right to it. I mean, if you, if you frame it in the way you're saying it, you know, I mean, it, I think the resistant person, the boss, whoever it is, they, they, they're going to feel so understood that I think if they were resistant before, I'm just kind of imagining them, you know, that resistance going down and then be, at least becoming open to truly listening to you and, and maybe considering what you're saying. Whereas before there would have been like, you know, there was just a big wall there before. So I think it's really pra so practical, simple, practical, replicable, uh, just potent information that you're sharing in, the, in these in these three keys. Uh, I, I do have, was there something else you wanted to say? Well, I, I was going to mm -hmm. follow up on what you just said, because the author E.M. Forrester was asked at the end of his life, uh, what was, what's the most important thing? What did you learn about life? And he said two words, only connect. So that is the river that runs mm -hmm. through everything we're saying, Coot, is, is like with that boss, if I put myself in his or her shoes, what are they concerned about? Well, they're concerned about setting a precedent. They're concerned about where they're going to find the money for this. They're concerned about. So if I get there first and it makes it easy for them to say yes, because I've done the homework for them to facilitate that. So mm. yes to connection. Mm. Um, this, this might be, I'm, I'm trying to formulate my question. So please just bear with me on this one. Um, because what I don't want as I'm, as I'm listening to you, because it's, it's like what you're saying is really, as you break it down, is really powerful. I mean, it's, it's strategically powerful, and I, I'm really hearing the effectiveness of what all three keys you're saying. Uh, my, my concern, I guess, yes, I'll say my, my partial concern is that someone could take what you said and use it as a strategy, simply as a strategy, yes, or a formula, without truly caring. Does that make sense, Sam? Sam like, let, let me do what Sam's saying, but I don't really care about what my boss thinks. I'm going to just say it in the formula that Sam is telling me, which is really ultimately coming from connection, but I don't really care what my boss thinks. I'm going to say it this way so I can just get what I want. And so how, I guess, I don't know. Can you speak to like uh, that, 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 that um, I don't know, that, that there's something in me that goes, I don't want people to just use it as a, as a tool 
and not really care? And how can we make sure people, how can someone not just use it as a sort of outside in formula, but actually, but truly connect to their heart so that they can really care when I speak to my boss or speak to my employee, really genuinely feel the connection because someone could maybe say it, but not really care. And so I'm, I'm just so glad you're bringing up this issue of, you know, on the left, you can put tactical, right? Because it is mm -hmm. true. I give step-by-step -step techniques that are tactical and over on the right, put integrity. Yes. Yes. Oh, I've, I've had the opportunity. Ted fellows brings me in to work with the Ted fellows, Richard Branson's new now leaders bring me in to work with them South by Southwest. You know, some of my clients speak at Davos, et cetera. And every single time I speak or train or work with the client, our first prerequisite is that we do this in integrity and mm -hmm. that everything we do is a win-win. Now, that may sound like a cliche. Mm -hmm. However, if we are committed to communicating in a way so that it adds value for all involved, it is a rising tide raising all involved. Yes, it will benefit me. Maybe I get funding for my startup. Maybe I get to telecommute. Maybe I get uh, money uh, for a project that I believe in. So, yep, it's a win for me. And yet I know that if it is not a win for the other person, it is going to be short-served. And uh, that resentment is going to crop up or they will feel taken advantage of or they will feel manipulated. And that is never my goal, which yes. is why we genuinely put ourselves in the shoes of the other person, ask ourselves what matters to them, what's going on with them, what, they, what their wants and their worries are, and then we come up with a way for a solution or for some, some collaboration that will benefit them and us. Mm, I love that. The key word there for me is, is integrity. And I, think, and, I, and, and I really get when the tactical can, can merge with the integrity, uh, it's a very powerful combination. Uh, it's a really powerful combination because th then, then the loving and the compassion can be delivered. Because I think someone can have love and compassion but it, it doesn't get actually translated if I'm just telling someone, but, but if I really have the love and compassion and then I have the tactic and the strategy, then the loving can actually be delivered to the other person so that they can really feel it and get it and, and we can truly make, make the connection. That's beautiful. You know, we're so on the same page. If we put head on the left and heart on the right, is that uh, I rode horses growing up. And uh, when I moved from the West Coast and riding Western to the East Coast and riding Easters, I started jumping horses. Mm. And there's a saying that anyone who's ever jumped a horse knows is that, is that you have to throw your heart over the fence. Mm. That, you know, why will a horse jump over an obstacle when they do not know what's on the other side? They have to trust the rider. And the, the horse will only jump when the rider throws his or her heart over the fence. And that's in a way what we do with our communication is that it's not just head, it's not just intellectual, it is, it is empathy and it is our heart as well as our head. It's this combination of left and right brain. Yes, it's smart and it's organized and it is strategic and it is also soulful and it is intended to serve. I love it. I love it. You know, Sam, you, 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 wow, I'm just I'm loving this conversation. And I think there's so much value in these three keys. It's already reframed certain aspects of my communication. And I'm, and I'm really hoping those listening in, folks, you've been taking lots of notes and thinking about how you can apply these principles that Sam is speaking to, to your own communication. And uh, Sam, you have a few more questions. We've covered so much, actually, in a short period of time. That I have a couple of questions. In terms of writing and you know you and I have had a few conversations about writing as you know I'm writing my, mm -hmm. my second book and and uh, in terms of writing and you've written quite a few books um, some days not a day, a day in the week which I really enjoy 10 hacks to making the rest of your life the best of your life and share with me a bit about writing I know I, I think there's lots of folks listening in who want to be writers and want to, you know, they, they, ha they feel they have a message to share with the world, uh, ideas, life lessons. But a lot of the times, 
we never start. We procrastinate. We don't begin. Uh, people have been saying, uh, many clients I've spoken to, they've been saying they're going to write a book forever and they don't. Now with the, the sort of coronavirus situation, a lot of folks have time to actually write. And so I would love uh, your insights since you've been quite prolific over these decades in writing books. And, and, and what are some of the, if, for those listening in who, would like to write a book for those listening in who let's say have a book idea. Um, could you maybe just distill some of your wisdoms on writing and what it, what people can do to let's say use this 30 day, six week period that we're in quarantine, that we have more time to get their book written. I want to inspire people to like use this time, Sam, to write, the damn book and get it, get it done, get it on paper and stop procrastinating. And I know, look, I'm someone who I don't enjoy the process of writing. So I, I would love to just kind of tap into, you know, your process of writing. How do you write? You know, how do you organize your thoughts? You know, what does that structure look in your life so that you can, because I think it takes a little bit of discipline to sit down and write. So what is that process and what are some hacks, so to speak, that you can share with, with those that want to write? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up, Coot, because I really do believe that books are a pebble in the pond of a meaningful and enduring legacy, mm. and uh, that when we write, we get to live life twice. And uh, so let me share a heart example and a head example so that we can help people get their books out of their head and into the world. Sound like Beautiful. a plan? Done. Okay, here's the heart example first. The very first year of the Maui Writers Conference, in addition to being executive director, I was the MC. So I'm out on the beach early in the morning, walking up and down, rehearsing my intros. There's a woman sitting on the beach crying. And I went over and I said, are you okay? And she said, I'm not okay. And I said, well, what's going on? And she looked at me and she said, I don't belong here. I said, you don't belong here? She said, who am I to write? She said, it's like you're putting yourself on a pedestal and saying, well, I'm perfect. I know and you don't. She said, it's almost arrogant. That's not me. And I said, well, what do you want to write about? And she said, well, my husband and I adopted a child and he's really challenging. And I went to the bookstore and I went to the library to try and find books to help. And there are all these Pollyanna books about what a blessing it is to be an adoptive mother they just made me feel worse. She said, I want to write the book I need, I can't find. And I said, well, what's an example of what you want to write about? And she thought about it for a moment. She said, I want to write about the time Ari was three years old and I fixed spaghetti for dinner. And he reached across the table and he grabbed a handful of spaghetti and he threw it in my face. Okay. And my first thought was, my son would never have done that. Oh. And the shame that I felt that that thought had even occurred to me. I said, what's another example? And she said, I want to write about when it's time to send pictures of Ari to his birth mother. I edit out the cute ones because no matter how challenging he is, I live in daily fear. His birth mother is going to change her mind and want him back. Mm. I said, Jana, the question to ask is not, who am I? Am I perfect? Do I have a PhD? Has it been done before? I said, do you know what the question to ask is? Would someone reading my book benefit? Mm. Because if someone reading your book will benefit, not only do you have the right to write, you have a responsibility to write. Have you ever thought of it that way? Ideas and stories and lessons learned in your head help no one. Pablo Picasso said the purpose of life is to find our gifts. The meaning is to give them away. <laughs> if you go online and you look up Secret Thoughts of an Adoptive Mother by Jana Wolf, you will find that that book has been out in the world now for more than 20 years. Wow. Because instead of harboring her imposter syndrome, why, who am I, doubts, she realized that, that what she had learned might benefit others, might make them feel like they're not the only one. In fact, 
I spoke at the uh, Hawaii Book and Music Festival last year, and I ran into Jana Wolf, and she said, Sam, not a week goes by that I don't get an email from someone who's read the book and says, I thought I was the only one. Okay. Well, <laughs> at this point, folks, if you're listening in, if you're not inspired to write your book now, I mean, that's, I got it, Sam. I got it. <laughs> now, do you want a how? That was, that yes, was a, that was a that, heart. So now do we want a head how? Yes, that okay. was def that definitely the why. I'm feeling the why. And I, I really hope <laughs> folks are feeling the, the sort of heart connection and the why because it can touch, touch lives. So, yeah, break down because, you know, once, once people start sitting down, they're probably going to face resistance and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the practicality, logistics of things, practicality. So give us the how. Like how okay. to really Let's of all the, and believe me, I've, I've helped hundreds of people get their books out into the world. And if you ask the one Kickstarter to the project exists. Now, yes. there's a, a real life story about uh, a friend that we share. This is Sherry Salata from Transformational oh, yes. Council. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, you know Sherry, uh, and maybe people know her as the executive producer and director of Oprah Winfrey's television show. She helped mm -hmm. run Harpo and Owen for many years. So Ariel Ford was interviewing her a couple years ago, and in the middle of the interview, Sherry said almost casually as an aside, well, if I ever write a book, I know what I'm going to call it. And Ariel said, what? And she said, I did everything all wrong, and it turned out all right. <laughs> oh, that's a, is that a great title or what, Coot? It's pretty good. Now, that wasn't what the interview was about, so they continued on to other things. However, at break, I ran over to Sherry. I said, Sherry, tell me you're writing that book. And she said, Sam, I don't know where to start. She said, I mean, do I start with Oprah's birthday party with Chris Rock and Beyonce and Michael Jordan and Jerry Seinfeld? Do I start, you know, delivering a baby in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven? And I said, Sherry, if you don't know where to start, you don't start. I said, here's the good news. You're an executive producer. You get to executive produce your book. So if everyone has paper, and you too, Coot, mm. let's, in the upper left-hand corner of a piece of paper, just write down, the, just write down 200. Let's okay. presuppose your book is 200 pages, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not a 350-page doorstopper. It's not a 100-page who moved my cheese. 200, okay? Now, let's presuppose no chapter is more than 10 pages. Because mm. the, if page turners are intentional, not accidental, this follows up on the psychology of completion. If we are plowing through a 30-page chapter, it's hard work. We put the book down, and who knows if we come back, because it feels like we're not making any progress. But mm. repeated behavior gets rewarded. So... If I read a, like a five-page chapter, a nine-page chapter, an eight-page chapter, I get these little dopamine hits because <laughs> I feel like I'm making progress. Mm -hmm. Chances are I'm going to come back because I feel this sense of completion. So 10-page chapters. Now, guess what? That gives us 20 chapters, right? Yes, 20 chapters. Okay. On your page, have four rows of five boxes. So first row horizontally, five boxes. Okay, do it right now. Second row, five boxes. Okay, got it. Third row, five boxes. Four row, five boxes. Now we just start spitballing our book. Mm. In, the, in, the, in the first chapter on the, on the upper left, put your intro. And, and I'll just give you a quick start on your intro. Why me? Why this topic? Why you? Why now? Why this way? If you do that in four pages, you're going to connect with your reader. They're going to know where you're coming from, why this is important. They're going to identify with it. They're going to understand why they can't put this off. It's urgent. They need to act on it now. And they're going to understand why you wrote the book in these 10-page chapters. So even if they're busy, they can dip in and get value. So next is that's now the next box over is chapter one. Chapter one is often a definition. So define what it is you're talking about and put a quiz in there. So it's interactive and you're asking people questions about this. I have a 10W quiz that gives people skin in the game so that already they're interacting and they're just in chapter one. 
And then mm -hmm. the rest of the book, see, you can do this right now. You think, well, I want to put in this example and I want to make this point and I want to be sure and tell that story and I want to put in this dark night of the soul and you just start writing down the steps wow. of your process or the examples of your process mm. or a pushback to your process. Now, the beautiful thing is you're spitballing it. It does not have to be sequential. Mm. It does not have to be chronological. It does not have to be in order. Because, see, that's linear. And that's the critical voice kills the creative voice. Mm. Right now, it's a free-for-all. We're just... We're just saying, oh, I want to be sure. And, oh, here's a great quote. And then you would executive produce your book. You step back and you look at it. And guess what, Coop? The chapters will start arranging themselves. Well, this wow. is kind of important. That would go front. Uh, these two chapters kind of look alike. I'll turn them into one. And you see from swirling thoughts in our head, yeah. now literally and figuratively, crystal clear and on one page. Right. I can see like a puzzle beginning to form, right? It's like a puzzle that starts coming together and we can start moving things and adjusting things. And it's something about, like I have a kind of grid in my notes here as you're talking, Sam, and, and just kind of with a, with a kind of rough idea for another book. And it's interesting to see, like, like, like once I see it down on the paper, all of a sudden it took it out of this sort of amorphous, you know, never-ending state in my brain and now it's become a bit more finite and manageable on the page so that's Boom. from vague to visual in fact el doctora was asked what it was like writing a book and he thought about it for a moment he said it's kind of like driving a car at night mm. you can only see to the end of your headlights but you can make the whole trip that way mm. this is one page the headlights that can help you start driving that trip writing that book Mm, I love it. Folks, as you're listening to this amazing conversation with the amazing Sam Horn, uh, I want to challenge you as we're going through this time, if you have a book idea, and I know many of you do, I think we all have a book in, in, in us, and many of you have already uh, intended to write books, but perhaps you haven't. Uh, Sam is breaking it down. I want you to puzzle map out. We'll call it a puzzle map, a visual map of your book, the chapters, uh, the intro, the chapters, and put them down on the page and start mapping things out in the way Sam said. And I, I would love to challenge you during the next months to two months to begin writing your book and make a commitment, get your book done. The world needs it. The world needs your voice because it can touch someone. And there are people that, people that need to hear your message in only perhaps the way that you can share it. And so, Sam, I feel like... Jeez, time has flown, but I feel like I could talk to you forever. And I feel like we're literally just getting started. And, you know, if you'd be so kind to come back on, on Soul Talk and, and share some more wisdom with us again, because uh, I feel like you are truly a fountain of wisdom. And seriously, just thank you for being who you are. Um, every time we meet, you show up, you, you never ask for anything. You only just share your love and insight and value. And I think everyone listening in has truly been blessed by just your generosity and your value, practical advice, heartwarming inspiration as well. And so uh, final question, Sam, if there was, uh, as you reflect on your life and everything you've been through, I know your mother and CEO and author and a speaker and many different things. Um, if there were three, if you were to distill the three most important life lessons that you feel you've learned, and obviously there may be more, but if you could feel you could only pass these on to your children and your grandchildren that would evolve them the most, uh, that maybe have been the most hard earned lessons that you feel could be most valuable. What would the three Sam Horn wisdoms be? What a great question, Coot. Well, there's one top of mind. It's uh, you are you had the the privilege of meeting my son Andrew Horn, and I have another son uh, named Tom. And when when they went off to college uh, to Virginia Tech, I sat down and had the talk. And if you are ever at a crossroads and you can't make up your mind, take the bolder of the options. <laughs> and uh, they say that they that when they are at a crossroad and they're trying to make a decision and they am I going to do this or am I going to do that they take the boulder of the options and they've never regretted it so that's number one I love it 
Number two, uh, you know me in quotes. Yes. So <laughs> bring, bring it. I love them. Okay, this is from Catherine Graham. And Catherine Graham of the Washington Post said, to do what you love and feel that it matters, how could anything be more fun? Well, the only thing that's more fun is to do what we love and feel that it matters and get to do it with people we enjoy and respect. And that's what you and I get to do, don't we? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the third one, another quote, uh, and this is what uh, motivated me four years ago to give away everything, well, 95% of what I owned and set out on my year by the water. Wow. And I wrote about it in the Someday is Not a Day in the Week book. And it's a quote from Paulo Coelho. And he said, one day we're going to wake up and there won't be any time left to do the things we've always wanted to do. And I believe that it is not morbid to think of our mortality. It is motivating. And that if on a daily basis we ask ourselves, what is something I can do today instead of waiting, that at the end of the day I will look back and it will have been a good day because I did that. Mm. And Coot, you just talked about it, is that for many people, they talked about wanting to write a book. And yet they always put it off for someday when they're not so busy or they have more time or they have whatever. Well, I agree with you that we have been given the gift of time right now. Yes. And to put that time into good use, we'll have something to show for these couple of months. And we will always be grateful we invested our time and mind in something that mattered. Mm, I love it. Take the boulder of the options. Take the boulder of the, uh, I'm, I will definitely, I'm, I, I'm not one for tattoos, but I'm going to tattoo that in my spirit. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be living, every time I think of that, and when I'm faced with a decision, your, your, your soul will be with me. I'm going to take the boulder of the options. And folks, uh, I want to just assign a homework from Sam, from, from us, from this conversation, that if you have a book that you've been thinking about writing, 30 to 60 days, get a draft done. Challenge number one, or if there's a project, specific project that you've been thinking of doing or putting off, use the 60 days to uh, fulfill that, to complete that. And, uh, and let's come out of this time even stronger, more awake, more alert, more connected, and more authentically who we are. Sam, I just seriously, I love you. You're amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you for just pouring yourself into the Soul Talk community. Uh, what's the best way people can find out about you and your work? And if they want to, you know, connect with you, what, what's the best website? All of that good stuff. Well, they are welcome to go to intrigueagency.com. So it's I-N-T-R-I-G-U-E agency, intrigueagency.com. And on there are my TEDx talks and on there as my give back in these times of coronavirus, I'm actually doing a half hour. So you want to write a book support group every day. You can find mm -hmm. information there. And uh, we also have some articles on there about the dog on a tanker story and about the did you know uh, approach. And so I hope that the website is really useful and that people will find um, not, not infobesity and not information, mm -hmm. but they will find heartfelt mm -hmm. approaches that they can apply that will help them move their projects forward. Amazing. Folks, you heard it. Sam Horn. Amazing, amazing CEO of the Intrigue Agency. Um, been a beautiful conversation. Folks, send me an email, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. Let me know your key takeaways from today's show. Also, I would love it if you spread today's episode, share it with everyone you know, especially those folks that uh, are communicators, leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, but ultimately, I think we all have to communicate our ideas, so share it with everyone you know. Uh, also, those, those friends of yours, uh, fat friends and family who have a book idea that they want to, they feel moved to write in some way. I think this episode could be very beneficial as well. Share it with them, post on your social media. Can't wait to hear from you folks. Um, definitely also check out the work of Sam Horn. She is truly amazing. Your life is about to exponentially be blessed as a result of your association with her. Her book, Someday is Not a Day in the Week, 10 Hacks to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life deeply inspirational about her journey and her year by the water. Uh, Sam, bless you. Thank you. 
Can't wait to see you soon, everyone. Big hugs. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.